Is there a mother in the house that can, uh, can identify with that? I think all of you can. If you will, take your Bibles and turn to Exodus. Chapter, actually, you've turned to Exodus chapter 2. We're going to read the uh, uh, last verse of chapter 1 and the first four verses of chapter 2. Thank you so much for being here today. We're honored that, that you are here. A message today entitled, Characteristics of a Godly Mother. Let's stand together to honor the reading of God's Word, if you will and can. We read verse 22, the last verse of chapter 1. Now, let me set this up. The, the Israelites, the Hebrews, are in Egypt, and they're in bondage. And the Word has come to grapevine that a deliverer is coming. Verse 22. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Now, a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Instead of reading the rest of this chapter, I'm going to tell you what you already know. Pharaoh's daughter came, found the basket, found the baby, took him into the house of Pharaoh, her daddy, allowed mom to come and raise him. And while Satan and Pharaoh thought he had killed the deliverer, the truth is Satan and Pharaoh wound up putting all the bills for the deliverer to come. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that today the message of uh, your word will encourage us and help us and even draw us to you in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Years ago, a man named Jeff Foxworthy launched a career with these words. You might be a redneck if... Now, do you remember some of those things that he said? And there was a whole bunch of them. You can find all sketch. Some of them get off colored. You might be a redneck if you mow your grass and you find your car, Lee. You might be a redneck if uh, your home is mobile and your car is not. We can go on and stay here all day with it. But you know what? I got to thinking about that this week, and I read something that was quite lengthy. I will not bore you with all of it. But in that same spirit, you might be a mom if, are you interested? You might be a mom if popsicles have become a food staple. You might be a mom if the kids have ever been fighting and you threatened to lock them in a room until someone was bleeding. Now, if you only have one kid, you can't appreciate that. You might be a mom if... You're so hungry for adult conversation that you spill your guts to the telemarketer to the point that he hangs up on you. 
You might be a mom if the pacifier falls out of the baby's mouth on the floor and you pick it up. And but before you put it back in the baby's mouth, you lick it off because you're too busy to go to the kitchen and wash it off. The one I like the best. I see a nod over here. I see that hand. The one I like the best. You might be a mom if spit is your number one cleaning agent. <laughs> For those that missed the movie yesterday morning, I know some of our folks didn't get to go to the church showing yesterday morning, but you caught it yesterday evening last night. I just thought it's one of the most delightful movies ever. I laughed at a lot of things, and uh, uh, I'll just tell you, Trace Atkins laid it out about a mom to a young mom who needed to hear the word. Because you see, being a mom is a huge, huge and difficult responsibility. And that responsibility is not getting any lighter. It seems to be more demanding as more as more demands are made on her time and her resources. And somehow, sometimes it seems that we forget how difficult it is until, now don't charge the platform, until we run into a bad mother. And people go, you can't say that from the pulpit, but you know there are mothers that are not good mothers. I, I read a whole plethora of testimonies this week, but I'll, I'll bring one to you. My mother never showed me any physical affection. This is a young lady. As I grew up, every time someone touched me, I flinched because I was so unaccustomed to it. When I was older, I was in a near-fatal car wreck. When my mom arrived on the scene, she ran over to me and I hugged her. She pushed me away. It's taken me years to learn that I am a good person and I deserve to be loved and hugged. You see, Mom ingrains into all of us these traits. Mom is very demanding. And I'm just going to pause a second to offer to every mom, every young lady here. There is um, one thing that God has given you. Now, there's a lot of things, but there's one specific thing that God has given you that he's not given men, that you can bring to the family. Please listen. It is affection. You do recognize that the Bible never said, the Bible never commands the wife to love her husband or her family. You know why? Because love is hardwired into the DNA of the, of the feminine psyche. Love and affection are, are hardwired in. You know, in, in school we learn about these acquired traits and these uh, inherited traits. And that's the inherited trait. Women can show men really how to love. What I'd like to do this morning is to take the story that we've read. And in a very simplistic and very practical way, offer you four suggestions, four characteristics from our text of a godly mom. So let's get back to the story. <clears throat> I've already laid it out for you. Pharaoh was trying to kill that one boy baby that was going to come, sent by God, to release the Hebrew people. And so the word went out. The word went out 
that the babies had to be killed. Pharaoh was trying to head this deliverer off at the pass and get rid of him. And in this environment of trying to kill the babies, I offer you four characteristics of the godly mom. You can write on the back of your bulletin to take notes. If you've caught that note today and you have a device, you can go to the uh, HBC Live and write notes. But I hope that you'll take these home with you today. Number one. Godly mom, she knows, she knows that every child is important. Every child. We have just read this text, and, and verse 1 and 2 tells us about a, a, a man and a woman getting married. They're Levites. They're a very normal couple. What it doesn't tell us here that we find out other places in Scripture is the man is named Amram. And mom is named Jacobed, Amram and Jacobed, a very normal couple. Another thing this, the text right here does not tell us is that Moses is not there first. Well, we know that if you, down in verse 4, it said a sister watched. We believe that that sister to be Miriam, he also had an older brother, Aaron, who would join him later on his mission team. So he was not the first. This was not like Gaga over the first baby. But this mother, Jochebed, knew how important Moses was, how important this child was. You know what it brings to our attention today, folks? It doesn't matter if it's number one, two, three, four, five, or God forbid, 15. Every child is important. Every child is sent by God into this world to do something if you look at verse 2, he said, Jacobed saw he was a fine child, a beautiful child, a, a godly child. All of these words are, are, are feelings of the mom that she saw him. As, and the Hebrew language is so great and expressing and picturesque in expressing how she felt. She knew he was good. She knew he was important. And in a day when the government was trying to kill the babies, this godly mom knew better. The government trying to kill babies. It is true that the U.S. government has not issued an edict in trying to kill babies. But it is equally true, and you can disagree if you want, it is equally true that the U.S. government today is trying to help ladies who maybe get with child, expecting, pregnant, when it's not in their plan or their schedule or their design or what have you, at the very least are encouraging moms to get rid of those babies. I don't know if you've realized this, but since 1974, Roe v. Wade, 57 million babies have been thrown in the trash. It's not in my notes, but I remember this. About 15, 16 years ago, when that 57 million was only 30 million, a friend of mine was talking to a nationally known economist. Our economy was not so good. And my friend asked this economist, said, uh, what's wrong with our economy? Why can't we get back on track? And the economy said, it's very simple. We're 30 million people short. We need 30 more million people to get jobs and 
commerce going. And Paul said to him, he said, do you realize what you've just said? Now, this guy had been a long advocate for abortion. Do you realize what you've just said? You have just given to the number of the children that we have put to death in the last 25 years. And the guy put his hands in his hands and he goes, and this is not from religious reasons. This is from societal reasons. He put his hands in his head and he said, that means 15 million houses. That means 20 million. And he just went and named it off what that 30 million people could do. You see, folks, every child is important. And you know in this state, in this country where abortion is such a, a big thing, do you know what young women are not told? They're not told the guilt that they carry for life. I haven't said that. Let me say this. In a crowd this size, it is well possible that there is a lady under the sound of my voice who at some point of your life found yourself pregnant with a child and you made that decision to abort. Nobody, your, your closest friends, your mate, your children, your siblings may not even know it, but you know it. And you've carried that hurt and that load for all of these years. And then you hear a preacher say something like this and you think, there is no hope for me. Today I want to give you a word. It's found in Matthew. It's the words of Jesus. This is what he says. Come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke of pronoun and learn of me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And listen, here it is. You will find rest for your soul. You see, our Jesus don't have to condone what we did, but he sure will forgive what we've done if you'll bring it to him. Moses. God chose Moses before he was conceived, before he was born, to be a deliverer. Have you ever thought about the dire consequences if, if Jacobet had said, well, you know, i got two kids, so this, this one can't be really important. Have you ever thought about it? If she had followed the edict of the pagan government, what would have happened? You see, but Jacobed, like all moms, all godly moms know every child is important. Every child is a part of God's creation. Now, I understand that at times, moms have to be reminded that that child who is on your last nerve, that that child is a part of God's creation, God's plan. When I think of that, when I think of those times at that time, I'm reminded of the guy who came home one day from work and he found mayhem at the house. The kids were in the yard. There were candy wrappers, food wrappers in the yard, boxes of food in the yard. He looks up at the door. The front door is open. He walks in and he almost trips over the, the laundry and the toys and there's glass 
broken in the living room, spilled milk, the, the kitchen's in disarray. He's walking over clothes and toys, and, 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 and he walks upstairs. He's kind of worried now, kind of thinking something bad happened to his wife. And he walks upstairs and over some more laundry and clothes and what have you, and he walks into the bedroom, and there she is. She's in her pajamas, reading her favorite novel. And she looks up at him with a smile on her face, and he, she says, How was your day, sweetheart? And he goes, What went on here today? And he, she goes, Well, you know how every day you come home and you ask me what I did all day long? This is it. You see, mom's job is very important. And with the expanding role of moms working outside the home, it is even increased demanding. But here's what I will say to us. In the midst of the mayhem, in the midst of the struggle, one of the things that a godly mom knows is that every child that she has is important. Second thing she knows, she knows how to be protective. She knows how to be protective. I have to tell you that I kind of giggle, not, not at the situation, but the government of Egypt had said they're going to kill every baby two years and younger. And I want to say this to you. Pharaoh may have been the number one guy in the country, but he was not the smartest dude on the scene. To put out an edict that mom, for moms to kill their babies, the only way he could have been smart is that if you could look down his list of edicts that time, edict number one, kill all the male babies under two years of old. Edict number two, increase security around the throne. Y'all got what I'm saying? I mean, to tell those moms that, that you're going to kill, you know, a mom will tell you, I can mess with my kids, but you leave them alone. We, le we learn this. We learn this in nature. On Facebook this past week, a longtime friend of mine, he and I graduated college together and then were privileged to serve. He was my worship leader for five years, and now he's in Kansas City. And he wrote about mowing his grass. And he said, all of a sudden, there was a mother bird that was letting me know that there were some baby birds somewhere in my vicinity, and she didn't want me anywhere close Y'all got the idea? He said, I'm going to sneak up on her and get my yard finished mowing at another time. If you, think, if you don't think nature will teach you about how protective mothers are, you go pick up that cute lion cub with your mama, with the mother looking at you. Now, kids, don't do that. that that's, as sure as I say that, somebody will go do it and they'll wind up in the hospital or dead. Now, Brother Jerry told me to do it. You see, the truth is the protection of a mom... Just a normal mom. The, the, it's, it's primal. It's, it's instinctive. It's written, in, written into the DNA of the, of the normal mom. But you take a godly mom, it is protection on steroids. Jocko Bed refused in the face of governmental uh, assault to kill this good and precious child. And she chose life for him. Now, it does tell us she hit him as long as she could. Now, my lightning quick mind, I try to think of all the ways you can hide a little baby. It says three months. About that time, maybe he had colic. Maybe he was crying. But for some reason, she could not hide him any longer. And when she couldn't hide him any longer, then... By the way, 
It uh, kind of makes you wonder about the princess' daughter, uh, about, the, about the princess when she found that baby, Troy. That baby is crying. I'm not sure I'd have kept a crying baby. Y'all got what I'm saying to you? Jonathan cried. He did. Christy sleep, slept all night after three weeks. Jonathan didn't sleep all night for 18 months. And Jonathan went through three months of colic. Could I get an amen? Who has endured that? Now, this was back during the day when they wouldn't give you anything for your child and the colic. A true story. My wife, who is sick today, I think the tattoo yesterday made her sick today is what I think. I'm just teasing. My wife will confirm this, is that we walked into the doctor's office after three months of colic with crying baby, and he had told us he didn't want to give him anything. And I said, okay, doc, you have two choices today. And he said, okay, what's that, Mr. Watts? And I said, you can give this child something to let his parents sleep. I don't care what he does to let his parents sleep. He said, okay, what's my second option? I said, he's yours. <laughs> you see, the truth, the truth is, is that for whatever reason, they couldn't hide him any longer. Maybe it was a crime or whatever, but mom still wasn't willing to give up. So she took a basket and she put on it vitamin, what we would call pitch and tar, so it would float. And she not only did that, but she did something very specific. She took him to a part of the Nile, so we're told, where two things were true. Number one, no crocodiles. She knew if she put the baby in a place where there were crocodiles, she wouldn't have a baby. So she put him where there were no crocodiles. And because there were no crocodiles there, she knew that people, quite likely, some royalty might come find him and retrieve him and take care of him. You see, even in the midst of danger... Moms know how to take care of their kids. But that brings us to a third thought. Moms know when to, godly moms know when to let go. Oops. Have I stepped on anybody's toes yet? This is an invaluable lesson for godly moms to know when to turn loose. All right, now, moms, don't be mad at me. It's true for dads, too, but today is Mother's Day, so it's your day today. You see, end of verse 3 says this for us. She put the child in the basket and placed it among the reeds by the river. And what it does not say is this, then she went home. Brother Jerry, how do you know that she went home? Here's how I know this, because when the... When the princess came down with all her entourage, if they had seen a Hebrew woman and a Hebrew child, what would those guards have done? They'd have killed the baby. She knew that the only way to possibly get Moses back, and by the way, Moses means taken from the water, the only way to get him back was to take her, hand, her hands off. Is that a tough lesson for anybody today? There comes a time when it's time for us to take our hands off, I declare to you, many of the couples who make it through my office having trouble in their marriage, when I get to investigate and they'll answer some questions, it's because either a mom or a dad is trying to control one or the other in that marriage. 
You see, if we're going to be godly, we need to understand Scripture. Scripture says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And that cleave means sticking. It means staying with. It means closely uh, following after. It means one and only for life. Jacobed knew that if she was going to save her precious child, she was going to save him from being destroyed, that she had to take her hands off him. I can tell you, as a parent of two adult children, it is the most difficult thing to be done, but it is the most needed thing we can do. If a mom or dad fights the battle for their children, for their adult children, their children never learn the lessons of maturity. I know next week we got graduation Sunday and all the graduates are ready for mom and dad to take their hands off of them right now. I didn't say it was at 18 or when you graduate, but here's what I do know. Don't charge a platform again, but I really know that there is no school, there's no college, there's no girl for your son, there's no guy for your daughter, there's no job and there's no company that's worthy of your offspring. I understand that. But I also know that there comes a time when they have to make their own decisions. And when we get in the way, we thwart the will of God. That brings us to the last thing, the last characteristic of a mom that, we, that I discern here. And that is when she took her hands away, when she took her hands off, when she let go, she'd already been protected. She'd already understood he was important. Is that she knew how to trust God. I hope you will not turn me off and miss this deep truth. Because to me, it is the subtext of this story. Jacobed knew how to trust God. They were of good family line. They were both Levites. They knew what it meant to serve the Lord. They knew what it meant to be in the temple. They knew what it meant to be with God's people. They knew what it meant to do the work of the Lord. Their lives were given in service to Jehovah. And she knew that the best thing that she could do for him was trust God. Now, moms, what does that say to us today? Dads, what does that say to us today? It says to us that we need to learn to trust God. And I'll just say this to you. And I'll repeat it again next week when we're talking to our our, uh, graduates. It's not just about the church. Well, I brought them up in church. Well, I brought them up in a country club. What's the difference? If we don't teach them the faith of the Scripture, if we don't teach them how to trust Jesus, if we don't teach them how to follow Jesus, if we don't teach them how to lean on Jesus, if we don't teach them how to make Jesus the center of their lives, you know what the truth is? I saw, Gary, were you the one that had that book in the, um, in the, at breakfast this morning already gone? You see, here's what, here's what we're discovering because so many people are giving their kids church and they're not giving them their faith. By about 11 years old, they've decided where they're going to stay or go. I tell you what I, know, I love about teenagers. <clears throat> 
I love about teenagers because they're tired of the artificial religion. And they either want something authentic or they want nothing at all. You see, the godly mom is one that has an authentic faith for this reason. At some point of her life, she has chosen to respond to the call of Jesus to let him come into her life and not just save her now, but walk with her every step of the way. Dads, same message is for you. That our children can see him in us. Five of us are in this study called Authentic. Dr. James McDonald is doing an incredible job of teaching us. One of the things that he has said, he said, you know, for years we heard people say, well, I saw my mama pray. And he said, you know what? He said, I'm not so hyper about people seeing mama pray as I am about the children knowing that mama and daddy are praying for them. Are you praying for your kids? Are you trusting God for your kids? Trusting God does not happen overnight. It starts at that starting point where we invite Christ into our life, and then it begins a journey of life. You don't trust Christ and then continue to go the way you want to. You trust Christ, and you continue to follow Him from now till death. It's not about attending church once a year. It's about trusting Christ and following Him every step of the way. And we transfer that to our children. And that's the characteristics of a godly mom. Let's pray together.